1-888-3737-888. Hopefully you've all heard or seen this number before. It is the National Human Trafficking Hotline number that anyone, anywhere, anytime can call to report a suspected instance of human trafficking or to access victim services. As professional drivers, you are constantly on the go, crossing state lines, logging miles to keep America moving. Thus, it is essential that you have this number. You have a number that you can call from anywhere in the US in order to be connected to a 24-7 trained personnel that can help you ascertain if what you're looking at is indeed human trafficking or to get law enforcement out to the scene to connect a victim to life-saving services. Hello, professional drivers. This is Helen Hofer, your host of TAT's Driving Freedom Podcast, and I'm very pleased to have with us today our executive director and co-founder, Candice Paris, who is going to join me to co-host this episode. Thanks so much, Helen. It is great to be on air knowing that so many professional drivers are tuning into this podcast because they care. They care about being part of the solution when it comes to addressing modern day slavery. And you know, what we're talking about today is critical when it comes to being part of the solution, because there are actually a lot of hotline numbers out there. (laughs) Plus, when you consider calling 911 or looking up the local sheriff's office number, it can actually be a little confusing knowing who to call when you do think you've spotted a potential human trafficking situation. So here with us today to help clear up some of the confusion and talk about why TAP promotes the National Human Trafficking Hotline number on all of its materials is Megan Cutter, the director of the National Human Trafficking Hotline run by the nonprofit Polaris. Megan, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Candice. I'm really excited to be here with you both today. Let's talk mechanics first, Megan. Tell us a little bit about how the National Human Trafficking Hotline is set up and how it actually functions. I'm so glad you asked that, Kendis. So the National Human Trafficking Hotline is a 24-7 resource. We're available 365 days a year. And the primary purpose is for people who are in potential trafficking situations, so who've been compelled to have sex for money or unable to leave their work situation without serious consequences to themselves or their loved ones. But also, like you mentioned earlier, it is a resource for people who are concerned about someone who they think might be in a trafficking situation and are looking for some guidance. Folks can call us, they can text us. They can reach out to us via our online chat, email, or online tip form. And when they do, they will get connected with a hotline advocate. Those staff will talk you through what the next steps might be, what options they might have. They'll ask you questions. And the biggest thing to know, I think, is that the hotline is confidential. And so it's a place where someone can call and talk about what's going on and provide information without worrying about that information being shared without their knowledge or consent. There are a couple of exceptions. One is if you share with us about someone who is under the age of 18 who's being abused, neglected, or trafficked. And then also if you share something about immediate harm to yourself or others, we will report that to law enforcement. But other than that, it's completely confidential. Another important point is that we are not law enforcement, so we are completely separate from them. And we are also not the government. We're an independent entity. Finally, in terms of what we can help with, there are a lot of things, but the two primary things we help victims and survivors with is connection to services. So that could be a safe place to stay, a legal assistance, counseling, whatever it is that they're looking for. And then another option is that we can help with reporting to law enforcement, like Candace mentioned earlier. So how do victim services get connected to people on site? 
How do we know that, you know, the victims that we're concerned about are going to receive those services? What is that process like? One of the things that we really try to do through the National Human Trafficking Hotline is offer what we call a warm transfer. So if we're in touch with a driver or a victim, we will then put them on a brief hold, call out to the victim services providers that are available, and then connect that victim or survivor directly with the service provider who we're trying to get in touch with. So the idea is to ensure that nothing gets dropped in the process of making that connection. And if someone doesn't want us to offer that warm transfer, we won't. But our goal is to always offer that connection and to serve as a way to help people navigate all the resources that are available. That's fantastic. That's really helpful to know. I'm really glad and excited and I hope that is encouraging for all the drivers to know kind of what that process will be like for them. So let's indeed jump in on that. Let's talk about drivers. What are hotline advocates looking for from professional drivers when they call into the hotline to report a tip? What should they make sure to be looking for and to provide to your advocates? You know, over the years of operating the hotline, we have found that proximity and context are two really important elements to identifying trafficking victims and supporting survivors. So we know that drivers actually have both of those things. Through their work, they may come across trafficking victims, and they also have an understanding of what's normal to see on the road and on their routes, and also what isn't. In terms of reaching out to the hotline, those types of details are really important. And that includes not just the what of what's happening, but also the why. So in terms of that context and proximity I just mentioned, we're probably going to ask you about what it is that, that you've encountered that's concerning. What is it that makes the driver worried that it's a trafficking situation versus another crime? So there's that what piece. And then we're going to start to ask about actionable information. And that means something that law enforcement could run through a database or use to easily locate someone. When did the situation occur? Where did it happen? Do you have addresses, license plates, relevant social media information, phone numbers, anything that, that you might have? And then another thing, especially with drivers, is that we might ask if you happen to know where the people involved are going next or how long they're going to be at the current location, because we know that sometimes the situations you're observing involve people who are only at one specific location for a very limited period of time. So timeline is also going to be an important question. Megan, that's such helpful information just to be reminded of. And the majority of that is, is listed on our wallet card. Drivers can also find this all on our app. Again, good reminder. Do talk to us, though, about when a driver should call 911 before calling the hotline. When is that essential? Kendis, I'm so glad you asked that because there is a distinction between 911 and the National Human Trafficking Hotline. 911 is a great resource for when a driver observes something that's happening in the moment that also might involve danger or violence or a situation where they're going to need an immediate response. And 911 is the best option to provide that immediate response. And that's a, a good thing for people to know in order to be able to make the decision of, is this something where I should call 911 or if, is this something where I should call the National Human Trafficking Hotline? And Megan, I was wondering, as people are talking about seeing a crime in progress, what if they see something, they think it's trafficking, it turns out not to be trafficking, what happens then if they have already called the hotline? Thanks, Helen. That's another good question, too, because part of our role is to decide and to help determine and work with the driver or whoever is calling us to decide, you know, is this a trafficking situation or is it something else or is it kind of unclear? And our goal will always be to provide a resource to the driver or to have the driver provide to the person who might need help and, and to try to get the driver to the right place, even if it turns out that they're not calling us about trafficking. So no one should worry about 
if something looks like trafficking enough to call us, always give us a call. The advocates will talk to you and they might give you a recommendation to something else. But that just is, you know, making sure you get to the right place and that the information gets to the right place. Okay, so let's say they see a crime in progress. They call 911. Why should they make sure to call the hotline after calling 911? Good question. So there are a few reasons why we'll ask you to call the National Human Trafficking Hotline after you've called 911. The first is that the hotline reports to law enforcement who work specifically on human trafficking cases. So if the locals have already responded on the hotline, we want to be sure that we can then loop in our trafficking-specific law enforcement to ensure they're aware of the situation, can collaborate with local law enforcement, and provide them with any necessary support. Another element is that hearing reports about specific locations might help us identify patterns. Maybe we already heard about something occurring at that location a few weeks ago or a few months ago. We get a lot of information while we're on the phone about how trafficking happens, recruitment tactics, about the ways that traffickers coerce victims. And what we are able to do is anonymize that information, aggregate it, and then share it with the wider anti-trafficking field. And so in addition to sort of the practical response side of giving us a call after you call 911, know that there's also this larger, bigger picture benefit that's really important. It certainly sounds like, you know, it may take drivers a few extra minutes, but that data that they're sharing is really invaluable in discovering and disrupting human trafficking networks, let alone almost becoming, you know, educators uh, and awareness raisers for other sectors, right, who are going to glean from what they're sharing. So glad you you filled us in on that piece. Let's talk about an area where some of our listeners probably have experienced a little bit of frustration when calling the hotline. And that's specifically related to what may or may not happen when an adult potential victim has been identified. Can you talk to us about the hotline's policy in these cases and why contacting law enforcement in that moment may not be the best way to go? This is so, so important, and I'm really glad that we're going to get into this today. And I just want to acknowledge and recognize that for a lot of us, this can feel really uncomfortable. We know that trafficking situations can be dangerous. We know that they can involve abuse and exploitation. And so our natural inclination, our natural instinct can be to intervene or to call law enforcement for help. What we know from operating the hotline and also from survivors is that traffickers often threaten victims that no one is going to believe them. In particular, law enforcement won't believe them and they'll just see the victim as a criminal and that actually the victim is going to get in trouble So those threats are very real, and those are things that often victims are hearing on a regular basis from their abusers. Another thing we see a lot through the hotline is that when victims are undocumented, they're really fearful of deportation because, A, that's a thing that could potentially happen to them, but B, because this is another thing that traffickers use to threaten and control victims. And so if a victim is undocumented, we see a high level of fear with law enforcement. Finally, Traffickers often threaten to harm victims if they go to law enforcement. And all of the things I just mentioned are what we call unintended consequences. And on the hotline, we always are trying to mitigate unintended consequences. For drivers calling the hotline, that might mean that advocates will ask you questions about a victim's wishes or work with you to brainstorm ways to get the hotline number or the text line into the hands of the victim directly. The best response for an adult victim in that moment may not include law enforcement for these various reasons, but that does not mean that they can't get access to services, that they can't find another way out. And so we definitely want to encourage you to call the hotline number 
And so, Megan, just to affirm that, is it possible for someone to leave the life without law enforcement involvement or through the assistance of victim services? Is that something that you've seen or heard of? Helen, that's such an important question. And Yes, we absolutely do see that through the hotline. And we've heard from survivors who have had that experience. And sometimes what we hear is that someone makes a plan to leave safely on their own or with a trusted friend. And then once they've left the situation and they have a safe, stable place to stay, they then decide to call law enforcement or to report at a later date. And so often what that means is creating a really elaborate safety plan without kind of raising any red flags for the abuser. And that can be complicated and difficult. Yeah, and we are impatient, naturally, to not want someone to remain any second longer in that situation. So very much identify that. And I'm really glad to hear from you, Megan, more about kind of what those other layers might look like when in the moment, I see exactly what's happening. I don't want that to happen anymore. And I want it to end. But then to be reminded of all the consequences, that is really important, powerful, and really hard, really hard to to know that that's the reality. So Megan, from drivers, we have heard that sometimes there are some pretty long wait times, uh, speaking of not wanting to wait anymore. (laughs) Um, And so sometimes they actually have to get back on the road. They can't stay on the hotline anymore. Can you talk to us about what you're facing from an operational standpoint and what you're doing to address those issues? Definitely. I completely understand, you know, questions about wait times. And when I know often sometimes too, when someone calls and waits, it makes them wonder about is someone who really needs help also having to wait. So I definitely want to make sure to address that with you all today. One of the exciting things is that our call volume has been increasing year over year. Last year, we heard from almost 20% more survivors than we did the year before. That's one piece. And then the other piece touches on something I mentioned earlier, which is that we've got a really nuanced response. So it might mean that we're having a long conversation with the parent of a trafficking victim who wants to help make that safety plan for getting in touch with their child. That could be one situation where we're on the phone for 30 minutes talking to this person, offering nuanced support. On the next call, we're hearing from someone who needs to get out right away. And so we're mobilizing a law enforcement response on behalf of that person. So It's important to know that the hotline is more than just taking tips. But I think that can certainly mean that with when we have a high call volume, we also are balancing that with ensuring that every person who we talk to gets the support they need. Those are some of the challenges we're facing. But in terms of how we are making sure that we overcome those challenges, there's a couple of things I can share with you. The first is that we have um, an interactive voice response. And the way that we tier that response is that the first option is for people who are calling about themselves and their own trafficking situation. So they get bumped to the front of the line and ideally have to wait not at all, and at least not very long. The next option is for someone who's calling about someone they know and working with directly. And then the third option is for someone who observed something. Now, if you're a driver listening to this, you might say, does that mean I'm at the back of the line? No, because we recently were talking with Kendis and others at TAT and we heard this feedback about the wait times. And one of the things we just started doing a few weeks ago is we have an option for if you're observing something and it's happening right now and you want to talk to someone about. So maybe it wouldn't reach the level of wanting to call 911, but there is a time sensitive element because for folks like you, for drivers, maybe the situation is occurring in this moment and then the person is going to leave and they're going to get back on the highway and who knows where they'll go. So we've added that new option to hopefully prioritize people who are seeing something that's ongoing in the moment and needs a quicker response. And then, of course, we're always thinking about bringing on new staff. We actually, this coming week, are onboarding 18 new hotline advocates. We want to continue to be a resource that people can count on and connect with in a really timely manner. That's super important to us. 
I think that's phenomenal about you guys adding new advocates and all of the different things that you're doing, especially adding that. I'm I'm observing something right now, that time-sensitive piece. So drivers, thank you so much for your patience and for hanging in there and the wait times. Because as you heard Megan say earlier, this information goes to not just the locals. It goes to the guys who are really geo-tracking this data, who understand that traffickers are moving their victims from location to location. They're exploiting the transportation systems and the brick and mortar locations all along the way. So having this information on a national scheme to discover hotspots, to discover routes is so imperative to hopefully breaking up human trafficking networks. And I just want to give you a, a podcast applause and slap on the back. Thank you for your patience. And Megan, to you and all of the hotline advocates, I mean, we can't imagine how much trauma is involved taking calls like this day in and day out, right? Every time you're on the phone, you're probably hearing another horror story, right? Or um, of, of people crying out to you for help and talking about their enslavement and some of the worst things that human beings can do to other human beings. So thank you for the incredible service that you provide our entire country. Thank you for how you value truckers calls. And just for again, this critical role you guys are playing in compiling this data and providing direct services and connecting victims to those services providers, uh, as well as getting this information to law enforcement. I mean, you guys just do a great job. So just wanted to thank you for the role you're playing in helping to end modern day slavery. Thank you, Kendis. That is so lovely to hear. And I think we extend that same gratitude back to you. We know that we depend on drivers and on the TAC community to reach out to us when they see something that might be trafficking and to have that discussion and to be willing to call 911 and do whatever it is that, you know, we are asking them to do. And we we really appreciate that relationship and we really value it. And just also to be able to talk to you all today and tell you a little bit more and answer some of those questions that we know folks have has been awesome. So really grateful, happy to, to support drivers in their fight to support victims and survivors of trafficking. So thank you again. Now, throughout everything we've learned about the hotline today, there are two important points to remember. One, call the hotline number immediately with detailed information when you see behaviors or red flag indicators that point to trafficking for any adult or child victim. And two, calling the hotline can not only support victims or survivors in this moment, but can lead to improved services and prevention tools to support victims and survivors long-term. Professional drivers have proven to be a powerful force in recognizing and reporting human trafficking. It is because of these calls into the hotline from professional drivers that over 1,200 victims have been identified and over 690 cases have been opened. Thank you to the real Truckers Against Trafficking because these calls, your actions, really are driving freedom.